0: All right, let's open our Bibles in Mark, Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, and we are going to read, uh, we are going to read the story of two brothers, two brothers who they, they had a special request for Jesus Christ, and the request was very simple to some point, but at the same time, we are going to realize that it was a request based on selfishness to some point. So we are going to read chapter 10 of Mark, verse 35. Then James and John, the son of seventy, is that close enough? Yes, I got it, Seventy came to him, Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. All right, let's review these verses that we just read. First of all, you are going to find the same story in Matthew, but Matthew changes a little bit, well, maybe a little bit or a big, a big chunk, because Matthew adds to the whole story the mother. The mother coming to Jesus and, and just kneel. In front of Jesus and asking for a big, huge favor, and the favor was to bring John and James to the presence of Christ so they can be sitting on the left—sorry, oh, the right and left hand side of Christ. But here, Mark never mentions anything about the mother. He mentions about John. Now, you—you you remember who John is? John is the same disciple as we read in the Bible as the one being close to Christ. The one being loving, the the one that, you know, was there for Christ and loved him so much, you know, he was really close to him. Who was James? James was the first apostle that died in the Bible. In Acts chapter 12, you are going to find that he died, he was the first one to die by sword, says the Bible. Okay, and who was the father? Seventy? Again, okay, good. I'm just trying to remember. Seventy. He was just a fisherman. Nothing special about him. The Bible doesn't mention anything about Seventy. You go and look for seven a little bit more, and you're thinking, well, maybe he was great or someone special. No, he was just a fisherman. And these two sons came out, out of the sea, out of the, out of the fisher boats, and, and just followed Jesus Christ. Well, these two sons are the ones who approach Jesus but the way they approach makes a huge difference in how we have to learn to approach Jesus Christ in many ways. Again, I'm going to read verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Is that the way we approach Jesus I ask myself sometimes. Is that the way we come when we pray, Lord? You know, and now the, 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 the interesting thing is that they use the word teacher. If you remember the story of the, of the rich young ruler, he also approached Jesus coming the same way, master, teacher, kind of like bringing up the goodness of the person first. And I mentioned this some other times. I think the only way to compare that is when you have your kids, that they want something from you, and they bring up the goodness in you. Something that maybe doesn't even, you don't even appear to be strong, and they call you, oh, a strong father, big muscle father. And you're kind of like, okay, what are you, you know, and you realize as a father they want something from you. So here you have these two disciples coming to him, and the first thing they say is, Teacher. Kind of like you know everything. We follow you. You are the one teacher. We want you to do whatever we are going to ask you. If we are going to keep using the same uh, illustration of a father and a son, what will you say to your kids when they come to you and they say you are all great father and then they tell you, we want you to do whatever we want that. What will you say to them? Excuse me? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to come to me and said, we want you to give us whatever we ask you? You're thinking, you know, that's a very dangerous thing. You don't know what they are going to be asking. And here we have John and James doing the same thing. When we approach Christ, when we approach God, I hope that we don't do the same thing. I hope that we don't approach God in such a way that we think, He needs to do something for us. I hope we don't approach God in the same way thinking that you deserve for that God to do something for you because you have been faithful, because you are the son, because you, you, you. I hope not. The very beautiful thing is that they, even that they approach like that to Jesus, Jesus repeats very much the same thing to them saying, what do you want me to do for you? He's not mean about it, but he's sending the clear message again back to those two people, James and John, saying, okay, so what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> then they said, according to the Bible, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Why right and left? The only time Mark mentions about right and left is when Jesus is crucified on the cross and you have one prisoner or one thief in the right and the other one at the left. The ones and the right are important. They are the right-handed. They are the right ones. They are the, the, the ones with more power and usually they are the first ones. The ones and the left ones are the ones are usually following the first ones. So which one is your right hand for you? Us as families, we have someone who is our right hand in our home sometimes. At work, we have that expression that we said, you know what, he is my right-handed person. We have that expression. Because that's the first one, that's the one you can trust, that's the one who you probably call when you have an emergency. And they were asking not only to be called when they have an emergency, when, when Jesus had an emergency, but they were asking to be the first one and the second one. Whoa. Isn't that sad sometimes? I keep reading. Uh, okay, Héres. Then Jesus, verse number 38, he replied, You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answer. The next verse, oh, sorry, the, the, the verse keeps saying, Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the, with the baptism I am baptized with, but to see that my right or left is not for me to grant these places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. This is the first section, the first part of the whole story. and this is about the ambition that these two disciples had and what Jesus answered to them. Jesus, after saying that uh, they don't know what they are talking about, he asked the question, a very simple question. Do you think you can drink the same cup I'm going to drink? If you drink coffee, he's not talking about coffee. If you drink some kind of lemonade or juice or whatever, he's not talking about any cup or just being sitting there on a table and just being there and drinking. Hey, you know what, how are you? Let's have a good time here. If you remember Jesus Christ, the time he was in Gethsemane, praying remember what he says during his prayer he said let this what cup pass." you know come on i want for this thing to get over and when you read in the bible about cup especially at this moment it's meaning affliction it's meaning painful moments and that's why he's saying to them are you sure you wanna, I mean, you are going to be able to drink the same cup with me. Why is he saying that? You know what? Before that, before that Bible text, the Bible mentioned that they were going to Jerusalem. They knew that Jesus Christ was probably trying to do something great in Jerusalem. And the only thing they have in their mind was, that's it, Jesus is going to Jerusalem, He is going to proclaim himself to be what? The king. He's going to proclaim himself to be the one who is going to deliver us from the Romans. This is the time. And even chapter 9 of Mark repeats very much the same conversation. Remember when they are talking and Jesus is up front, they get to the house, and Jesus said, what you guys were talking about over there on the road? And everybody got quiet. This is the second time. And during all this period of time, he's talking. Jesus mentioned to them in many ways, he mentioned to them that he's gonna get betrayed by someone and he's going to be dying. My question is don't they get it? My question is all this time, Jesus repeating that, and you think, don't they get it? He's going to die but they still thinking who is going to be the first. So Jesus brings up this example. Are you going to drink the same cup? Are you going to drink that cup? They didn't get it, it seems to be. Even so, after that, Jesus said, are you going to be baptized with the same baptism that I'm going to go through? Do you think that is going to happen to you? Now, for some of you, when you read that part, even myself, when I was reading that, I was thinking, "What is he talking about? Cap, baptism? That doesn't have to do anything with the ministry. The, the I mean, the ministry of Christ, but it does has to do with a lot. When you baptize someone, what you usually do, you take that person down deep in the water, and you bring that person up. And we usually know that." That means that you leave your old body, your old person, all your sins are down and you get to be born to be what? A new person. Meaning that old one dies and the new one is alive. They are both talking about death. And the word baptism in Greek is also used as being submerged, as being overwhelmed by suffering, and problems. So maybe you can even go around and say, hey Jim, are you being baptized this week? Like, oh yeah, big time. Because I did have lots of problems. They never use it like that, but it could mean also like that, and sometimes they use it not necessarily straightforward like that, but that's what the word baptism means. Be overwhelmed by suffering, be overwhelmed by blessings, be overwhelmed by many things, but mainly to leave something, to let something die, you're going to suffer. And he's using the same way. He's using cup. that's my suffering, and baptism. Are you going to be able to go through all of that? You know what they say, right? They say, yes. We are going to be able to do the same thing. Now, everybody's listening at this moment. Just like you are. All the disciples, the other ten, are uh, probably listening, they're like, what's going on? They're talking. They're probably getting closer and closer, trying to get the big ear like that. Something is going on. And only then they probably even hear this part when Jesus said, You will drink the cup, and I drink a uh, uh, cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. When they heard that, the disciples, can you imagine how they were reacting? Hey, they're getting some kind of deal there with Christ. They are going to drink something, that they are going to be baptized. That's some kind of deal they're getting there. They didn't know what they were talking about. But to see that my right or left is not for me to be grand. These places, I'm going to read this slowly. These places... Belong to those for whom they have been prepared. He's not saying, I'm the one who made the decision and you are going to obey. Is my father who made the decision? No. Is being safe, is being uh, read, places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. I'm not going to talk about that right now. We are going to talk about that at the end of the passage. When the ten, the other ten, heard about this, verse 41, they became indignant with James and John. Why do they become indignant with James and John? Being the first one, asking to be the first one in the right hand, and the left hand, means you are going to be above everybody else. That means you are going to be in charge of everybody else and you are going to obey. And Jesus knows very clear what they are thinking at that moment. He knows what they are thinking and what they are going through in their mind when they think, when they get mad about it, indignant. They don't get indignant with Christ, they get indignant with them. They probably were thinking, and you know, sometimes imagination is good, and you have to imagine many of these moments. Sometimes I think maybe Peter just saying, hey, man, I missed that moment. This thing happened a few moments ago, and now these guys, man, they just took over the whole thing, and they asked, I should have done it. I have a big mouth, I should have done it, but no, look at me. What about the other people? They probably were talking, hey, you know what, you and you, you what? oh man, now, you see they're asking, and they say, and Jesus says something, yes, you're going to be, you know, sharing the same cup, the same baptism, that's us. Boy, what's wrong with us? We are so that we didn't ask at the right time, at the right moment, the right question. Jesus watching all of that, he also, verse 42, call everybody. Verse 42, Jesus called them together because they were not together. They were apart. They were in different areas. They were talking about the situation. He called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, And their high officials exercise authority over them? You know, that's important to know. The church is not a business. Probably looks like we run it as a business, but it's not a business. The church is not what everybody else thinks outside the church is. And here Christ is using a perfect example. He's saying, you know that those who are regarded as rulers, and by the way, that word rulers not only means rulers, but means first ones, the ones selected. You know that those who are regarded as the selected ones, the first ones of the Gentiles, lord it over them means they control them and they just do whatever he said. And then he uses another example. And the high officials, which also is translated as great ones, and has of the, the high officials exercise authority over them, you know, we get impressed with people that they are great ones. We even know peop- I mean people in history that they are called, well, not Dante, but let's put it like the, uh, Dante the Great One. Well, we don't know any Dante the Gray one in history. I know that, but sounds good anyway, you know. <laughs> but, you know, you realize that we have people in here. We have people who we usually think they are better than us because they are in a higher position. You know, this makes me think about us as Christians. And more, once I finish reading this passage, he was bringing that example and comparing and compare those two examples about the first ones and about the great ones with the second part of that verse, of that, with, 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 the, with the next verse, sorry. Not so with you. You are the church. You are my followers. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, remember the great one? Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first, remember rulers, I told you also means first one, selected. And whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. You know what? I want to be part of a church we are full, I mean, we are a bunch of people who are servants and slaves. Can you imagine if everybody else will be a servant for everybody? Can you imagine if Jim comes here and says, hey, what can I do for you? No, no, I'm fine. No, come on some water you want this and then james thinking the same thing about jessica jessica you want some water i see that you are like this no no i'm fine and then jessica thinks the same thing about sarah and sarah no i'm okay are you sure you want a massage and everybody tries to do something for everybody and everybody tries to be a servant for everybody are you okay you want me to clean the floor for? well that's an extreme but you want me to vacuum the floor when you walk and you You want can i do something for you I want to be part of a church who are full of servants and slaves. Because we are not called to be the first ones. We are not called to be the great ones. We are called to be servants. And in many ways we are called to be slaves. When I keep reading this passage, Jesus didn't stop there Jesus also said at the end, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know what? Remember that before, and I need to go back in this because I told you, I'm not going to mention anything, when Jesus said, Verse 40, these places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Those places are not assigned by God. Those places are not decided by Jesus. Those places are decided by you. You and me who are willing to be among the slaves and servers for God. You are going to end up there. But you serve not because you want to end up being in the right hand or left hand of Christ. You serve and you become to be a slave not because you want to be higher than anybody else. You serve because you know what Jesus did for you and me. He came to serve. He came to the point that he gave his life for you and me. Leaving everything behind. I don't know how this, how this could be a better, how can I say, I don't know how Jesus could put it better. Let's put it that way. We need to start thinking different, brothers and sisters. You know, we have lots of people to serve in this church and lots of people to serve in this community. We have lots of people to be servants to in this community. And in this church. I mentioned a few seconds ago, I want to be part of a church full of servants as a slave and slaves, than a church full of great ones, full of first ones. You know that in Matthew, when Jesus said the last words and the last part, Matthew uh, twenty, he said because the Son of God it doesn't say serve it says because the Son of God came to minister to minister and the word ministry means serving. so if you want to be a minister for the Lord, because usually it's a pastor you are the minister the Bible is not that suddenly you you take a four year a four-year uh, 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 studies for four, you study for four years you become a minister. the Bible mentioned, ministers as also servants because that's what it means so what about if you and me we become to be ministers of this church meaning servants what about if you and me start thinking a little bit different how you know I remember something that I learned in Monte Morelos and I have to admit I learned many things but that's one thing And I remember something that I always try to tell you all the time. If you are studying something, if you are doing something in your life, if you are working, if you are accomplishing something, whatever you do, you do it because you are going to serve someone. And that's... Really hard, especially when we are young and when we study, especially when we go to college, especially when we go to universities, especially when we try to accomplish great positions and works uh, in a workplace. We usually want to try to accomplish everything to try to live better. We want to accomplish everything because I want to live better. But what about accomplishing and, get, and doing many of those things because you want to serve better? If one day you and this church become to be a leader, think about how you are going to serve better. One of these days you become to to, to you, you think I'm gonna study to be a pastor. I know none of you, nobody I know here is studying to be a pastor other than one. Just think about serving better. Just being the slave. How exciting. I wanna be a slave. I'm studying for years to be a slave. Yes. But think about serving others. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about anything else in this world. It's about Christ. It's about Christ that gave us the example to live and die for others and that's what this community needs to know. They need to know that we are here to live for them, to serve them, to die for them, to give our times to them, time to them. Let's be servants and slaves. And let's practice what Jesus Christ encouraged his disciples to practice. We are not first ones, we are not the great ones. We are disciples of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you because you give us many opportunities to serve. Thank you because you give us you give us all oh our ministries you give us the time you give us the work and sometimes we just don't focus on the right thing and we only focus about ourselves we only focus about what we want help us not to do the same mistakes as the disciples were doing help us to learn that being first means being the last one Being a great one means being a slave, serving others. Not because at the end I'm going to gain something, but because at the end I'm going to be there with you in heaven. At this moment I want to ask, O Lord, for you to bless my brothers and sisters, for you to be with this church. Thank you because you listen to our prayers. I also want to pray for the Perez family, Connie. You know what she's going through. I can't even be in her shoes and feel what she feels, but I know it's painful. And I want for you, Lord, to be with her and her family. Forgive all of of our sins. Be with us as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, we want to ask all of this. Amen.